Gap Black Bob Gap Gap the backs of a million they died for all lives before we were children some of us we trying to make us a billion on real estate fancy i want to welcome everybody to the south congress fan by fan show my name is cameron hawkins i'm joined by my man travis bryant travis how's it going man so yeah this show does not have an episode number because it's not about an episode um we actually you know we wrapped up a couple of weeks back with the fall finale of CW's The Flash, and talked about it ad nauseum because that's kind of how we go. Um, I want to do something a bit different. It being the holiday season, it being the end of the year, um, you know, Travis and I kind of came together over this show, over The Flash, but we have varying tastes. Like basically, we have, you know, The Flash, and we have pro wrestling, and then we have other stuff that we kind of touch on. You know, was, I that, think as it's been that chart, huh? Vickers chart. Vic- Something short. Um, well, it's not science. He fake my unnecessary. I was gonna say Venn diagram. The Venn diagram. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah there you go. You know, ours is like uh, barely. You know, it's a little slice that overlaps. But mm-hmm. you know, you can probably pack. pack uh... It's getting closer. Yeah. No, though. it's definitely. Like it's, uh, yeah. Those those circles are, are you know overlapping. Exactly, the world's kind of coming together. Yeah, and, that's, so. and a lot of that is you forcing. forcing. Yeah, you have to watch You're this. Late. You have to listen <laughs> to this. Or like the fun thing is, um, like social media, like Twitter and Vine and Instagram, like depending on who you follow or what's like sent to you or retweeted, like a lot of times you'll hear a song and you'll be like, hey, Cam, what song is this? And I'm like, oh, it's this. And then you go back and listen to it. Then you find out about the artist. So, you know, cool stuff like that. It's funny. Um. Something that we're going to do, you know, here in the next little while, uh, Man in the High Castle, it's a thing where I don't know how many people even had Amazon Prime. Like, I've had Amazon Prime for a long time, but I watched it, like, I got it to order stuff, and every once in a while there was a movie on there, or I wanted to catch up on, like, Justified. So, and a lot of times, because they have all the HBO shows, they stream better on Amazon than they do on HBO, because sometimes that Apple kind of act funny. So I was on it for that. But, like, people have been telling me, like, I'll get tweets from people, um, or, like, we'll be talking in person, and they'll talk about the show because you've been mentioning the show. And so it's a really cool thing. Like, you turned a bunch of people on to something, otherwise they probably wouldn't have found out about. So, like, you're, you're, doing, you're doing a good job of that. And which is good because it gives us more to discuss outside of just, you know, our core show flash. Um, but what I want to do today is this um, 2015 being about over. I don't think we'll be surprised with any like last minute new shows or new movies and new albums. Um, us having very taste, yeah, yeah. you know, right. Us having like really varying taste. I think we've both watched and listened to and paid attention to a lot of different things. So I kind of want to find out what some of your favorite things are from the year. And I'll kind of come back with mine. And hopefully 
you know, if it's not something that we both enjoy, we can at least explain it enough to a point where um, the audience gets a good feel on, you know, some more of the things we like, some things that we're looking forward to coming up in 2016. Um, and another thing about that, I know a lot of times there are movies and shows that we turn each other on to that didn't, didn't necessarily come out this year. So, like, if we start talking about a show and you're like, well, I found out about this thing in 2013, like, that's cool. Like, we can, we can go back yeah, that far. Just, just um, as an aside, I did the uh, I'm Black, He's Mexican podcast over the weekend, and it was top five albums of your favorite albums of the year, of 2015. Well, I had, nice. I had, I had three and two, one that came out in 2013 and one that came out in 2014, but I didn't discover until 2015. So instead of having... Mm. Uh, you know, oh, an honorable mention or shout out to blah, blah, blah. I just had, you know, yeah, three solid albums or three albums that came out. Yes, definitely in the calendar year of 2015. And, uh, it's funny. Eventually, we're going to talk about a thing that you listened to before I did. And I just recently found out how much I liked it. But we'll get there. That'll be that'll be fun. So let's let's start off with with the big thing. Um, did you see any new movies? In 2015, I did, and I broke my uh, my my movie chastity vow. Um, you did, yeah. you did, and I I, oh, I know what this is. I'm yeah, excited. So in 2010, January 2010, the movie came out. I think Avatar came out in December, November 09. Uh, but I saw it in New Year of, of 2010. It was like the most amazing thing I had ever seen. I came out kind of kind of not liking the planet I lived on like where's my where's my ponytail that connects me to the universe um but I was like you know what after a few years went by I hadn't been to the movies I just was like oh well I guess I'm not gonna see another movie in the theater oh really quick really quick before you continue Avatar is the reason I own um a a 1080 TV it's the reason I was at um I was at to my buddy's house uh my buddies uh Miles and Will and they were watching Avatar on PS3 and I was like yep I need a 1080 TV like that was just it it was well after you know it was on Blu-ray or whatever and I was like yeah that's it because it was gorgeous it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen but no yeah yeah continue. so I figured well you know what I'm not gonna go see another movie in the theater till Avatar 2 comes out. And uh, that's just, and it won't be hard because I don't watch movies. I only went to see Avatar because my buddy Henry was like, uh, do you want to go see Avatar? I was like, yeah, I don't really have money to go. I don't particularly care. You know, you know me. I don't really care. He's like, well, I got you. I'll pay you. I don't want to. I was like, oh, okay, fine. I'm, I'll go. You, you talked me into it. Um, so I don't go to movies. It wasn't going to be a hard thing to do. Well, this year I went and messed around and got a serious girlfriend. And that's kind of gets in the way of like you know doing. Things. It changes the yeah. game as far as yeah. I mean, how are you gonna spend your social first, time? I guess we went to dinner it was our first kind of thing that we did. But going to see Jurassic World was uh, broke that uh, broke that. And and that has that doesn't really answer your question because I didn't think that was a great movie yeah. as far as did you see any good movies this year? Um, yeah. I was upset. I was a little disappointed. Like this. Waste of 3D, like uh, this, you know, a, a dinosaur didn't once, like almost like bite, like Ugh! you know, like that thing, like it bit my head off or something, you know. None of that, just some random. 
I don't even remember. That's how lame it was. Um, but when I saw the commercial, I said, well, if I was to go to a movie this year, you know, it would be Jurassic World. And then I went to see it and was disappointed. But I saw Ant-Man a few weeks later and was very, very happy with that. Um, not in 3D, um, I don't think. Yeah. But, uh, but saw Ant-Man and that was by far better than Jurassic World. So yes, Ant-Man yeah. was a good movie I saw this year. I think, um, and it's funny, I just watched it again last week at my parents' house. And it's just, it's, that's a good comedy, it's a good heist movie. Um, again, you took the time to watch the entire Marvel MCU. So, you know, we're tied into that. Um, you know, I, I feel like if you listen to this show, you've seen Ant-Man. You know, like you, or, or at least are familiar with it. I think it was good. I think they, um, and I'm talking to my stepdad um, over the Christmas break, and he hadn't went to the theater to see a Marvel movie in a long time. And he told me, um, he's like, last week, no, I finally saw it. And he said, everything you said about it was true. You know, it's fun, it's light, but it's complete. Um, you know, he appreciated being a comic guy, how they started with Hank Pym, um, who is, you know, the original Ant-Man. How, um, you know, they didn't just build a new continuity for continuity's sake, but they also made, um, they made the hero contemporary, like kind of the issue that they were going to run into. You know, in the comics, Hank Pym is the same age as Captain America is the same age as Tony Stark, but he's the one that creates Ultron in the comics. Um, so, you know, they kind of let Tony Stark double. Um, and I can remember Bruce Banner kind of double for that. So, you know, I think they made a guy who's, who's more contemporary being Scott Lang. Like, you don't need another Iron Man in that universe. You know, because he's already such a big part of it, especially when it's a situation where they're probably not going to do any more solo Iron Man movies. Like, you don't just want to retread that because, you know, as good as Michael Douglas is, you know, he's too old. And he was great as, you know, that kind of arrogant know-it-all who still wants to do good. And then, you know, Scott Lang being, you know, a thief, it's a different character. Um, you know, I thought it was, again, it's funny. It's um, the technology in the movie is great. And... You know, just to show you how good they are with that universe, they found a way to build something that wasn't, you know, a viable, you know, moneymaker as far as Ant-Man. Like, who knows about Ant-Man? It's a very obscure superhero, even in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, it made enough money to get a sequel. And I think they're, you know, visually it's just beautiful. You know, the story they told about family is really good. And, so, yeah, they're going places. You, you probably uh, uh, overlooked the thing that bought all of those things together was the fantastic casting of Paul Rudd. And oh, Paul Rudd. Dad. Oh, yeah. What's his name? Scott. It's Scott Lang. Yeah. He was, he made and You know, movie. he's been the man since his 40-year-old virgin. Like, just, like, his character portrayal there, and then I think it knocked up. That's when I was just like, no, this is, like, he's really good at being... You know, that 30-something that guy, you know, with kind of that dry humor. Um, you know, kudos to him for getting in such good shape for the movie. That's what right. surprised and then, me. And then it's like, my God. A 50-something guy. You know, yeah, yeah. Still he was, able yeah. to play. Because he, he was in his 20s in Clueless. Or in his was, 30s yeah, in Clueless, probably. Yeah, he Because he was, what, what out American Summer, no. right? Wasn't he the one with the boombox over his head? 
Was he? That's it. That's him. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if he's 20 he's been around. In, that, in 85, mm-hmm. you know, he's 15. And he's, he's 15 up there. Me, so yep. he's 50. You know, yeah. Assuming he was, because I was five when that movie, about, you know, what are you saying, 85, I think that movie came out. So, yeah, so he's 50, still able to play a 35-year-old. You don't think, you go, oh, yeah, so I know he's older than that, but you don't think it, it, he pulls it off completely. And then Michael Pena steals the show. Like he really does. Um, like his liaison, the Hispanic yeah, guy, yeah. he he steals the movie, and he just he did such a good job of walking that line between like, you know, what's acceptable as comedy and what's kind of racist. Because I, I thought what they did well, like even though like his accent's really strong, the way he dresses is strong. Like everybody he like interacted with, like these are all like they like they were hanging out at like art exhibits. And stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, even though he talked a certain way, like, there wasn't that lack of intelligence, like, to go along with it. So, no, it was just, it was just really good. Um, you know, we actually, we get to the movies pretty often. Um, you know, we just saw Star Wars, which was really, really good. Um, but, like, uh, people who, people with deeper love for Star Wars have talked enough about Star Wars. No reason to get too into that, but it was, it was done very well. Faye, who's never seen a single Star Wars movie, who's actually physically avoided them over the last couple of months when I've tried to show them to her. Yeah, whatever. She really enjoyed the movie. She thought it was really good. Um, wow. Now, she's that's one thing she doesn't do. Like, if she doesn't really like a movie, instead of saying the movie was good or bad, she's like, you know I don't really critique movies like that. That's what she's saying when she doesn't like a movie. But, um, no, she did enjoy this one, so that was cool. And was what was good about it, like, she leaves out of there with a, with a bunch of questions. And she's like, so whose dad was who? And I start to explain it to her, and she gets a headache. But she tried. Um, so, no, you saw Jurassic World. I thought Jurassic World was cool. Um, not great, but cool. Like, I I saw it once, and I never needed to see it again. You know what I mean? Like, it never needed to come back on. Um, you know, saw Age of Ultron, which I thought was good. Uh, good, not great. Certainly wasn't as good as the first one. Um, other than that, probably the two really good things that I watched are... Creed and Mad Max, which were both just, like, Mad Max, visually, maybe the coolest thing I've ever seen. And this is from somebody who watches all the sci-fi and comic movies, you know, um, with, with billion-dollar budgets, or billion-dollar budgets, you know what I mean. Like, with these, with these strong hundreds of millions of dollars behind them, but Mad Max was mostly practical effects, you know, it's that, uh, that post-apocalyptic, you know, everything's browns and blacks and, uh, you know, nobody's wearing jeans. Everybody's in uh, some type of leather um, or, you know, armbands or chest plates or helmets and all kinds of stuff like that. But, no, it was just uh, – it was shot beautifully. Um, the way they used vehicles, the way they created the sets, it was just great. Um, it's one of those few things where the main character maybe has ten lines of dialogue being um, – Gosh, what's my guy's name from uh, from the Batman movie you never saw? Lines of dialogue is main... He said, Mad Max said, said very little. Why am I forgetting the guy's name right now? Let's see. Somebody's going to really fight me for this. Uh, you know who I'm talking about, the English guy. Um, the old guy, Michael Caine. Gosh, why am I drawing a blank? No, 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 no. Tom Hardy is who I'm talking about. I'm sorry. 
so yeah, Tom Hardy, Mad Max. Oh, um, oh. he was really good. Yeah, and Charlize Theron was really good in the movie. Um, it was just like visually, like if you're if you're into like I'm not a big car guy, even though I'd like to be. Um, you know, it's all like the movie is basically you following a caravan back and forth through the desert. Um, as you know, part of the caravan is being chased, you know, one way to another to a stronghold. And it doesn't sound like visually arresting, but it is. It's it's so good looking and the music is so good. The music is so good. I watched the cut of it that was all black and white. That was just music, no dialogue. And I still thought it was a great movie. It's just fantastic. Wait, wait. You watched an hour and a half of that? I watched an hour and a half of just action and music. And it was, they kept in the sound effects, uh, but it was no dialogue. And then you just see them, like, I mean, like, mouthing, like, yeah, but that's the thing, like, so, so little of the movie is actually cut to me talking, cut to me talking back to this person. There's just so little of that. Like, a lot of it is, you know, cars moving and they zoom in on a guy and he's talking. Um, but yeah, very little of it is actual, just still dialogue. It's a lot of action. But it's just, One of those movies where movie. you can totally, before, do, if you did what you did the second time, the first time, you could probably piece together, <laughs> not even probably, yeah. totally piece together. No, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm playing it back in my head, like, like looking at it, and yeah, you can see, yeah, you really could. Because, again, the second time, like, I've only seen the movie once, but I'm like, yep, that's when this happened, that's when this happened, that's what they're saying. So, yeah, but it does work on that level. Yeah, it was really good. Um, and then a couple of weeks ago, we went and watched Creed, and it's just – I mean, if you like Rocky, you'll like Creed. It was just such a such a well-done film. And they actually saying um, the guy who directed it, um, whose name escapes me, is in talks to do the Black Panther movie. So I'm like, yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know how much you've heard about it, but essentially Apollo has an illegitimate son um, who, as a kid, is in, you know, in and out of foster homes in juvie because he can't stop fighting people. And, like, bigger kids are picking on him, so he's beating them up, you know. And one day Apollo's widow, played by Felicia Rashad, um, actually goes to talk to him, and she ends up adopting him. And so he grows up with her. Um, and not to give away the whole movie, you know, at the beginning he works for like an investment firm and has a good job. But he's moonlighting in Mexico as a boxer. Because it's, you know, he knows who his dad is. Like it's in his blood. And it's just, you know, how he feels. So he doesn't know about it. So eventually he quits that job and goes to Philly to try to persuade Rocky into training him. And that's kind of, you know, the gist of it. Um, you know, I we've talked about it, or I've talked about it, you know, one-ended, not with any bad responses, but I've said, like, Michael B. Jordan's going to be a star. Michael B. Jordan's going to be a star. And he's one now off of that because he was that good. Um, he's got a great look. He's got a great presence. Um, you know, he, he's at that point where women like him and men don't not like him, which is, which is where you want to be, <laughs> which is exactly you know, where you want to be. Men, um, you know, if you, Women liked you, and men liked you. I mean, that's just stupendous, and you couldn't ask for more. But mm-hmm. for men to go, and eh, you know, it's okay. I don't care or not care. <laughs> it's like, oh, all right, great. It took him. I always like gauge Leonardo DiCaprio with that, because it took him a long time to get to that point. 
You know, it took him like departed to get to that point. Who didn't? Dudes right. didn't like Leo. No, not when I was growing up. They did not. <laughs> no. Like yeah, Titanic, Man in the Iron Mask, all that stuff. No. I just think when I, I think, see, I didn't see either of those. I saw what Gilbert Grape. Grape. I saw Titanic. I did see that, and I saw the Romeo and Juliet with the so with the guns. Which is beautiful. Amazing. Like, those. I haven't seen it in 20 years, but, like, man, those guns were just. You made the dialogue work, and the guns did not seem cheesy in the context of swords. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good movie. I love it. Um, But I never got that. I never uh, never understood why. But no, he's he's there, and he was convincing as a boxer. Um, you know, my biggest knock on Rocky was, like, the first couple of Rocky movies, if CompuBox existed, every boxer would have, like, a 93% connect percentage. It's, it's, They're killing each other. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, you can't take that. It's just nonstop mm-hmm. punching in the face. Yes. <laughs> nobody's dodging. Nobody's blocking. Like, Rocky um, Four. Like, there's no way he makes it out of that a lot. For definitely nope. not standing. He doesn't get to do his maybe we could beat each other up in the ring and then we don't have to drop bombs on each other speech. He does none of that if if that's a real mm-hmm. if that fight happens yeah. like that. And now um Sylvester Stallone is probably gonna get nominated for Best Supporting Actor for the Oscars. Yeah, so like he just probably uh, is status today that said Oh, my friend Chelsea, she talked uh, over the weekend. She's like, I finally saw Creed. It was great, blah, blah, blah. I hope Sly gets an Oscar. I was like, wait, he's up for it? It was, he was, no, he like, was that good that he's up for uh, So, yeah, he was confirmed. Like, he's probably going, and, and it's weird to say out loud, but like the movie that he got, you know, he got an Oscar for, I want to say he got an Oscar for writing Rocky. Okay. Like the original. And so... Playing the same character as that movie, he's probably going to get nominated for another one 30 years later. Speaking of... And that's, that, that'll... Yeah. No, that? I was just... I mentioned Michael Caine earlier, but I was watching an interview with him on 60 Minutes last week, and he's most likely going to get nominated for his new movie, Youth, and it'll be uh, 60, 70, 80, 90, 20, six straight decades where he's nominated for an Oscar. At least five. Maybe nice. not the 60s, mm-hmm. but definitely 70s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. And yeah, he was, um, and you know, talking about CompuBox, like, of course, like they had to hit each other more than a normal boxing match would to make the movie compelling, but it wasn't to the point where it was outrageous. It was just, it was very well done. The first fight that you see, it's all one shot. Oh, and I don't, it's not like, it's not a Tyson fight. Yeah, it's one continuous shot. The camera doesn't stop. How many rounds? And it's just, um, I want to say three. It's two or three. Um, but like it's like one continuous shot, and it's just it's so, shot beautifully. Just not to get you technical, but mm-hmm. in between rounds, do they just zoom in? Yeah, the camera uh, goes to one corner, then goes to the other. Uh huh. And you're sure it's one shot? It's one shot. Mm-hmm. It is one yeah, it's like shot. It's six, just, nine, six, eight, nine minutes of, uh-huh. of action. Just, not just 
and they and they both carry themselves like MBJ. He equates himself very well. Like he's believable as a fighter. It's not yeah. You you believe and kid got in great shape and his just like his character arc is great. Stallone's character arc is great. Um, you know his main his main adversary like plays it well and and they end the movie like how they should. It's just very well done. Um, so yeah, those are those are like the big movies I saw. Um, and now here's here's our bread and butter. Um, outside of the Flash because we're not gonna rank. The show that we talk about because it's you know like i said it's a bread and butter what's the other best show that you watched in 2015 best show wow oh i guess it's not too surprising i should have known this was coming best show hmm damn i watch a lot of shows well, i'll tell you what if let's say if you need a second yeah, take yeah. a second because um like mine is easy fargo was the best show i saw this year um, it's funny. I was having a I was having a conversation with a guy we know, and he was talking about how the Flash is just the best show on TV. I said, "Look, I love the Flash. Like the Flash is a big focus. It's a big focus of my life now. It is. But if if we're categorizing the Flash as an hour long drama, like even though it's a superhero show, so it's a special category." But if we're categorizing it as an hour-long drama, it's not the best hour-long drama on TV. Like, that's Fargo. It just is. And, you know, we got it, We got into it slightly over that. They were like, that you, that's random. I'm like, I was a random. It's the same category. Like, it's just the best. But it's, um, I can't say enough good things about it. The premise is great. Um, you know, small town, small town crime and murder escalating into you know something that outside forces have to deal with um which i always think is good like when i love to see stories balloon um that's kind of my thing um the writing is great um the actors are great and everybody's believable there are always real consequences um they always choose that you know northern northern american early you know, actually, like, the first season was set in the 2000s, but, you know, um, yesterday is a better way to say it, you know, the, what, the, uh, Dakotas and that area of the country, the Dakotas and the Wyomings and the Colorados and all that, like, places that you're not super familiar with, places you don't meet people from, but once that accent comes out, you know it. They take that area and, like, they just build a world that is just always so intriguing. Characters you just really get into. Um, I think, and this kind of ties into something we'll talk about later, but, like, Bokeem Woodbine just gave, like, the greatest TV performance this year, I think, playing this guy, Mike Milligan. Um, And so I think I'll explain this a little bit. Maybe one day we'll talk about it in depth. But kind of the premise of the show is um, there's this crime family. Okay, um, there's this crime family who loses their patriarch to mental health, basically, or his, like, a breakdown, and they're trying to figure out how they're going to split up their crime family, okay, so it's it's the Gerhards, um, they do have a matriarch who's fully capable of taking care of things, they have an oldest son who is played by... And I don't know what you've seen him in. Um, remember how, you know, Raw would go off and Burn Notice would come yeah. on? 
It's the main guy from Burnham. Okay. Plays the oldest son. Okay. Um, his name's Dodd Gerhardt, and he is, you know, he hates everybody. He hates. He's racist and he's sexist and he's bullheaded and he'll pull a shotgun on you in a second. This is who he is. Um, being the oldest son, he thinks he should be in charge. Um, you also have his brother, who is probably less cerebral than he is, but you know, physically stronger. Um, Dodd has a daughter who's kind of playing both sides, which we'll talk about. Um, and they also have like a Native American guy that their dad took in uh, at an early age, who's a part of their crime family. And they have another brother who's like the youngest and he's kind of a hothead. What happens is he has some type of deal going on with a local judge. Deal goes south um, in a diner. So he ends up shooting her and the waitress and the cook and somebody else who walks in. But somebody gets a shot off on him. So he stumbles out of the diner and a car hits him. Like, you just see him go through the front windshield. He's, like, stuck in it, right? So, next thing you know, that car drives all the way home with him in the windshield. <laughs> Dead ass. And it's, um, it's Kirsten Dunst, all right? Um, and her husband, who is played by the kid who played, uh, I know you didn't watch Breaking Bad, but, um. He's the like the, the psychopathic kid from the sociopath kid from that at the end, and his name's uh, Jesse Plemons. He actually lives here in Austin. He um, is her husband, and he's in the process of buying a butcher shop. And he's like, "Yo, we got to go to the police with this." And she's like, "No, if we do that, you know, our dreams won't work out." And she plays him like that. And so right at the beginning of the show, I'm like, "Oh fuck, he's gonna die. She's gonna live." Um, so basically, you know. The crime family eventually finds out what happens to him, and they're trying to hunt down that couple. On the flip side, you deal with the family of the cops who are on the case. And this is set right after the Vietnam War, all right? So um, the main cop is a Vietnam War vet, as is the uh, Native American guy from the crime family. Uh, The cop's wife is actually dying of cancer. And they're working on trying to keep her going. And his father-in-law is played by Ted Danson, who has, like, this crazy secret um, that his daughter is kind of skeptical about. So they're trying to solve the murder. On the outside of all this, because that crime family is breaking down, the mob from Kansas City is trying to move in on their territory. How do they even know it's a murder? They don't have a body. I remember you told me that. Well, no. Okay. So, the reason... They can't find him. Like, they can't track him down. Alright? But they know where he was going to meet up with the judge. And so, by the time they get there, um, once they stake that out, they figure out that he's missing. And eventually, they figure out that it's a murder. No, I, I, I get like that. If I tell you... Right. No, sorry, I'm saying. But if I, if I tell you how they get to it, that kind of kills what's good about the show. Because a lot of it is, like, deduction and detective work. So, leave that part out. Um... So, yeah, um, the Kansas City mob is trying to take over the crime family's territory. And the guy who's like the head liaison of the mob is Raymond's older brother from Everybody Loves Raymond. And seeing him in a serious role is really cool. Yeah, um, what's his name? Yeah, not Garrett Morris. That's like the black guy from Ant-Man. 
Uh, Gary Morris, yeah. Um, what's his name? Uh, I, I forget it, but yeah, he's like their head liaison, but their top hitman fixer is Bokeem Woodbine's character. And his name's Mike Milligan. He runs around with these two, like, Amish guys, two Amish twins, and they kind of go around handling business. And what's so interesting about his character is, like, he's very smart. And so a lot of times he's quoting politicians or plays or things like that. And he's always very calm and level-headed. But, like, his character arc goes from this guy who's trying to move up in the mob. And then, like, kind of what he gets at the end is just fascinating because these things are just so well written. But, yeah, um, you know, it ties into a previous season. Again, it's just so well told. The characters are so fleshed out. Um, nobody is above dying on the show. You know what I mean? Like, anybody can go at any time. Which is what I think you need for a successful drama miniseries, the way it's set up. Yeah, Game of Thrones um, so has yeah. set, that, set, mm-hmm. set that standard of, yeah, anybody yeah. can get it. Which I think is cool that they, you know, take the uh, license to deviate from the books sometimes with that, too, to keep you on your toes, as far as Game of Thrones goes. But, again, the cool thing about this one is, you know, it doesn't have source material. Um, save for a few people who have to live for various reasons, like, anybody can go. So it's, yeah, it's, I highly recommend watching the first two seasons of Fargo. You guys get your hands on that. It's just, um, it's so visually arresting. And it's just, they took a risk with this show. This is actually an hour and 15-minute show, as opposed to, you know, your hour show. So you're actually getting a full hour instead of just the 44 and a half minutes or so that you get. Um, so yeah. How does a, what's that, AMC or A&E thing? Uh, what is it? Uh, it's not AMC. It's FX. FXX. A regular so, FX. But it's yeah, still but like it's. But it runs an hour and a half. It's a ninety-minute show. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. So no, yeah, just uh, so good. Um, you you come up with your yeah, thing yet? and it's and it was really obvious. It's just it was at the beginning of the year. But my other, but my two, I have I have three. And two of them are the two that we're going to uh, talk about in depth and in, in, in their standalone shows. And that's Jessica Jones on Netflix and uh, Man in the High Castle on Amazon Prime. Uh, or, or, yeah. But my TV broadcast cable pick uh, is 12 Monkeys. I mean, it's like, oh, do we? It, um, it encompassed so many aspects of uh, and for real, for real, shout out to Childhood's End. It was a sci-fi miniseries, uh, two, three episodes, two hours apiece. Came on back to back to back nights uh, a couple of weeks ago on on Sci-Fi, and I said to you guys like it's almost as if, and you responded with a smart ass Star Wars comment. But I was like, it's almost as if this was like like written like for with me exactly in mind as far as the theme, the mm-hmm. themes and the the tropes and everything uh but 12 monkeys uh on sci-fi and sci-fi is really stepped their game up in the last year and a half two years um and 2016 looks like it's going to be a really quality high quality year uh, for them again uh, but but 12 monkeys on sci-fi it's based off of the movie loosely in the sense that the overall theme is the same and time travel 
and trying to stop a plague that, you know, wipes out 90% of humanity. Um, in, in this show, it's the, the, the time traveler, Cole, and, um, and the, the, the doctor in 20, in our time, 2015. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of her name. She's played by Amanda Shule. And, uh, he has to go back in time, find out things, and they come, and he comes back to the present, his present, which is tw- about 2045. Mm-hmm. He was, I think, six when shit hit the fan, so. 2015 or so, so if he's born in 2010, 20, yeah, so he's about 30, 35 in this world, so yeah, it's about 2045, and um, his present is just just desolate kind of, not desolate, it's like the earth took itself back because there's no, you know, humans to, to, to pave over her, um, but it's like, not Mad Max in the sense of, uh, in the sense of, like, Bands of leather-clad, you know, fire-breathing uh, maniacs coming after you, but bands of roaming people, scav, scav, scavengers that have no allegiance. Like most people, run in crews, uh, but they're scavengers that live to just scavenge off of people they find and rob them and kill and stuff. So you're dealing with a lot of post-apocalyptic themes. Um, but the overarching theme is trying to get back, go back in time to stop a plague that has happened, and trying to find out all the the, the the corporate the corporate stuff that goes on with it, the globalist like Illuminati kind of theme that they got going through this one world kind of uh, uh, one world government kind of like hidden hand, not even one world government, but this kind of hidden hand feel. But it's just a re- really tremendous show. If you're interested at all in time travel, or or just a, it's really a dark show. It's not a lot of, not a lot, not too many happy themes going through this show. It's very dark, very gritty. Um, you know, sci-fi. They say they say shit and piss and stuff like that on it. So it, it goes there at times, and it's and it's very violent uh, for 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 sci-fi at nine o'clock on on a, on a Sunday. It's uh, you know, a guy will get his head blown. But yeah, Twelve Monkeys is by far. I mean, it's the the show that I pestered the most people about uh, over throughout the year. So I think that's that's a pretty good indicator of uh, favorite show. What uh, it's funny. Like both our favorite shows are hour long dramas, of course. Yeah, that's what we do. Um, as far as comedy shows go, that kind of 2015 was rough on that man. Um, like. A lot of stuff ended, like the league ended, and you know it's it's me and Josh's big show was the league. Um, you know it. They were smart to end it when they did because the jokes were running dry. You know, like it was, it wasn't as funny as it had been in past years, and that's what happens. Like you run out of ideas. That's why comedies specifically like have to end at a certain point because you can't run that stuff forever. Um. I like Ballers. Ballers is really good. I, I, you didn't even touch that, no. did you? Okay. So, um, I think we get too into it. You know, uh, Rock plays 
former football player who now works for a sports management agency, and it's him trying to get his ducks in a row, trying to get his money right, trying to keep his friends out of trouble. Um, you know, half hour HBO sitcom, him and Rob Corddry. Wait, it's the, a sitcom? Uh, like, it's a sitcom. It's very much a sitcom. Oh. Because because half hour dramas don't exist, I guess. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, it's it's very much a sitcom. Um. You know the. Uh, it's a sitcom the way Entourage was a sitcom. Exactly, it's a sitcom in the way Entourage is a sitcom. There, if you if you replace you know E with Rock, and Vinny with AJ Washington, Denzel Washington's kid, you kind of have ballers. And by the way. I mean, he's like, if I had a rookie of the year for for acting, it would be him. It would be A.J. Washington. He was phenomenal on that show. He played um, a, wide a kid who's, he plays a wide receiver, he plays a D-wide receiver, um, who has the James Harden beard and hair, you know, which is by design. Um, and he's, what, I think I've told you this, you know, he's like a year older than me. Um, he played in the All-American Bowl my junior year with some buddies of mine. Um, so he was like a real good football player, um, played a little bit in college, uh, made practice squad in the pros. He was actually a running back, so he was a bit heavier than he plays on the show. But no, he plays, you know, a diva wide receiver who... Just without seeing the show or screenshots of what the kid looks like, it's kind of hard for me to, to buy into a diva wide receiver that has a James Harden beard. Well, James Harden is already a, you know... Well, yeah, because the wide receivers are pretty, right? And that's what he plays, and he's, and I mean, there's very little of him playing football, even though, you know, when he does go out there, like, he's in practice and stuff, he looks, he looks good, it looks like he's how, how is that, but yeah, how is uh, that shot, the football? Uh, the football stuff, uh, you don't get, uh, when you get game footage, it's like games, it's like The Rock playing, showing him, like, a sack where he hurt a guy. You know, it's very... The, the show takes place during the offseason. So, you don't see, like, live game action. Like, a lot of it is flashbacks and stuff. Um, but you do see, like, practices, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, E.J. Washington was just kind of the, the thing of his character. Like, he's a D-boy receiver who has all the money in the world, but got cut from his team and is struggling to make another team. Um, has a girl who's super loyal to him, who cheats on regularly, to the point where he has another mansion that she doesn't know about where he throws parties. Oh, damn. Um, and then what you find out as it goes along is his dad was actually a guy in the league who never claimed him. And basically his whole career is a fuck you to his dad. And I know you didn't watch, uh... Well, you didn't watch The Wire, but his dad is the guy who played Bunny Colvin, which is the character on The Wire who was a police no, chief who basically set up. Oh no, no, not not him. <laughs> no, no, he basically um creates Hamsterdam, which is a place where they legally let guys sell drugs, which is his, and he does it like right before he's supposed to get his pension. But no, he was very good in the role as like the dad who, like basically his whole thing was, I'm the one that put that chip on your shoulder that made you as good as you are at football, and you should appreciate that. <laughs> So, no, it's, it's very good. It's very well done. Um, but, you know, Rock was Rock, his charismatic self. Um, yeah, A.J. Washington was good. Rob Corddry's hilarious. Um, and some guys make cameos, like some players and stuff. 
You're seeing, you know, doing cocaine on girls' chests, as you have to in believable football stories, because that's how it works. But no, that was um, that's probably like the comedy that I had to make time for to watch. Um, anything you really saw? Yeah, comedy-wise, for me, I'm a pretty traditional big network sitcom guy. Uh, I've been last three years because because of our our mutual pal Josh got into Big Bang Theory. You know the the you know number one commercial sitcom comedy hit you know deal you know there's no arguing that there yeah totally it's just facts it's not just the numbers don't lie right. uh, <laughs> so I watched you know Big Bang Theory was I I thought had had uh, one of their one of their weaker weaker seasons there wasn't a, a theme really throughout the season uh, Blackish really bought it season one. Uh, they were in season two right now, and it hasn't it hasn't fallen off. It's still really a strong show. Modern Family. A lot of people talk shit about Modern Family, and oh, it's not the first season. It's a like people really get hung up on. Uh, I mean, to me, it had it, it's not a drastic, um, you know, shift or degrading. But if like your first season or so, it's just a smash. You know, it's, sometimes it's like what happens in, in sports where when you win a Super Bowl, all of a sudden your assistants and, and coordinators got all kinds of praise and attention down there at a higher level or, or head coaches or, or whatever. Running, mm-hmm. they're, they're definitely being uh, they're being right. Your linebacker coach get an opportunity yeah. to run an entire, you know, coordinate an entire defense. He's going to take that and your team's going to it's, it's going to suffer. But it's still a strong show. Um, and, and and new girl, I think, had one of their and their four years of being around, probably their sh- one of their strongest seasons, uh, strongest finales for sure. Uh, not knowing where coach, um, what's his face, his kid, not Denzel, uh, uh, Damon Wayne's kid, his kid, if he's coming back, literally, like because he's got other projects and stuff, or they're gonna. Uh, Zoe Deschanel being pregnant, and it's going to be a mid-season thing this year. It's coming back hopefully in February, you know, hopefully not March, but January, February. But uh, but my big non-sitcom, so those are my kind of, and then the, the Sunday night Fox lineup, Simpsons, Family Guy, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine are all still strong shows. But Key and Peele, they aired there. Talk about yeah. shows that, funny shows that left way before you're like ah oh, come on you were you know like it wasn't time for you to go yet but that's when you if you can want to go leave them one more and if you know much more if you can and they had one of their strongest uh their four or five seasons they had they had a really really strong finale and their fin- see their series finale actual finale show was just one of the best sketch comedy half hours I've ever I, I just enjoyed it so much and they were I think the most socially conscious show on TV but on the low and that's that's yeah. hard to do because because there are people like me that want you to hit them over the head with with in oppression and injustice and make it clear who is the enemy and who are, you know, <laughs> and there's other people that just don't want to 
deal with that kind of stuff at all on any level. And they do a great job, I think, by appealing to people like me that go, oh, my God, that was so, like, man, that, that hit on so many levels. And to the un, quote unquote, non-woke person, that's just, uh, you know, in it for ha-has. And they may or may not, may, may on the low get the message subconsciously or may not. But they still enjoyed it enough to, to laugh and got it on just a visceral comedic level. Yeah. I um like don't let me go this far without acknowledging how good Broad City mm. is. Um, because I've talked about that. Like I've written about how good And it that and is. it sucks um, because I've I watched Workaholics, I have I watched the first season. Um I think one of the last episodes I saw was when Buddy peed in everybody's drug test so that everybody failed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I actually did, I actually did sit back and watch all of those. Um, not because I had the time, I didn't watch all of those. But, I, but Broad City is just, uh, it's just so good. Um, it's, it's like workaholics. I've seen it flipping through and at the end of, like if the Daily Show's coming on and gets the last, you know, minute or so of that, uh, and I'm like, oh, that was really funny, but it never got me to go, you know what, set a season pass. And then watch this, or go back and watch him on demand, or something. Yeah, it just um, wow, they're they're like the women are attractive, but unconventionally so. Like it's not what you typically see on TV, which makes it better. And they're genuinely funny. Like it's not forced. And they're cool, but they're not cool in the sense that they're they talk about decked their out name brand clothes. They talk about their vagina, and they talk about getting eight, and they talk about giving head, and they talk about doing drugs, and they talk about good music, and they talk about how horrible their commute is and how much their job sucks. They talk like people, you know, and they talk like – not only do they talk like people, but they talk like we hope women talk, you know, like it's it's just – and they have problems that normal people have. It's just it's just done so well, and New York is just always such a good backdrop for things because it's not it's not the part of New York that uh, that what it's not the part of New York that like Larry David goes to visit when he's on vacation from L.A. and curb your enthusiasm, you know? Like it's not like it's not the part of New York um, that Empire takes place in, and this is where real it's people not the part live. Of New York, you know, even we're loving hip hop. Yeah. Oh God, and we oh. <laughs> Oh, we have to thank you for bringing that up because we have to talk about that. Let it go. Well, yeah, but no, Broad City is very good. Um, I can't wait for that show to come back. Um, when I, you know, at South by Southwest, I saw um Hannibal Burris in in a restaurant. Talked to him, you know, for a while before he was getting his own show, and I just love him on that. Um, yeah, it's just it's such a good show. Um, I can't wait for that one to come back. Um. So let's and I wanna. It's funny you brought it up, but I wanna sit on it. I don't wanna talk about that yet. Let's let's talk about music a little bit, um, because this is like this is an area where we had a little bit of overlap this year. Um, but you know what, whatever genre, um, you know whatever time, what are a few albums that, and maybe even just artists to start with. What are a few albums that like you really enjoyed uh, in 2015? By far, it's the same answer I gave. To, to peoples and Papa on uh, I'm black he's Mexican is Purity Ring uh, another um, another eternity I think is the name of the album and that came out back in April 
the Church's uh, album, Every Open Eye, that came out over the summer. And the Dirty Sprite 2, the DS2 by Future. I mean, those were the most listened to new albums uh, this year that I listened to. Like, hands down. I got, um, so... I'm a big I'm a big clips guy. Um, have been for years. Um, I got a Push T album like real late in the year. This is just like a week or two ago. So you know that one's still, you know, still taking some time through and listen through that, see how I feel about it. Um, you know my big ones, the Ray Shremmerd album, which I thought was just fantastic. And really, I um, I'm so surprised. Not yeah, no, and you're not the first person to say that. It's um, I mean I have that album. I got it. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, this is like a... I, I think it's album. so good. I think it's... But see, that's the thing. I don't think it has any skips. I think it has maybe one skip. But everything else is just... Like, the, the environments that I populate and that I frequent, like, that's what you hear. And that's what people enjoy. And I just think... I think the music is so fun that... Like, I, I you know me being a bit younger, like late college, early career starting Cameron, will be the first to be like, I want to listen to this cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> and would, would do that. But, like, it's just, when you step back and look at it and say, wow, these kids are really just having fun. And they're good at creating that scene. And they, you know, Mike Will as a producer, like, they're great at, it's great when a, a producer compliments an artist and an artist can do the same thing. And I just think, like, I love watching those kids have fun. You know, their backstory, you know, them being basically homeless, them, like, breaking into bandos to throw parties. I, I, to see them be able to enjoy their success and to really hear it, you know, audibly, you know, as these songs go on, I think it's great. I think, um, I think, of course, like, No Flex Zone, I think it's a great song. I think This Could Be Us is a great song. I think, um... Someone with with Nikki and uh, and Young Thug. Throw some I, I love it. Yeah, throw some I think it's so good. I think yeah, like it's just a very good album. Um, like I love those kids. I don't know those kids, but I love those kids. I'm like yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Um, like you said, like DS2 is um, like I felt like you know way I me and my buddies wrote about uh, what a time to be alive. Uh, you know, ad nauseum, and just my thing with Future is, there's so many, like, there are people who sing songs who, we lose them early, like Amy Winehouse, you know, depending on who you talk to, you know, you lose them early, and you go back to the words, and you're like, well, where, because, you know, everybody knew, you know, Amy Winehouse had an issue with drugs, but then you go back and try to listen to the music, and you're like, you know, was, did we really understand what she was saying when she was saying it? And with, well, yeah, but with Future, it's just, there's so much pain in the message. You know, it's, it's fun. Like, we have fun to it, but you hear him crying in the words. Like, it's kind of the same thing with Rich Homie Kwan, who I don't, like, I don't listen to all his stuff. But, you know, he has that thing in him where, like, when he's crooning, you can hear the struggle in the words. With DS2, it was just like, like, I have an affinity for people who self-medicate. I always have, because a lot of people do that. Like, it's not always drugs. People self-medicate a lot of different ways. 
And so, like, to hear that verbalized, to hear the struggle with the oh words, God. it's just, what? What's that? The latest, uh, the latest. <laughs> now, yeah, put a, we're putting a timestamp on this. This guy's, this is happening in the day Chip Kelly got fired from the Eagles. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I have to look at it. Oh, man. They incorporated the sad, it's oh, not sad Jordan It's just thing. the Jordan It's, it's yeah, it's, it's the mesh. Chip. It's an amalgamation of Chip Kelly and <laughs> it's so good. Um, <laughs> take a second there, but no, um, you know, futures. It's just so melodic, and you know, Metro Boomin is just such a great compliment, like to his words. Like the production is just so good. Um, like the, the Percocet and Stripper Joint is one of my favorite songs of the year. I don't do Percocets, and I don't really like strip clubs like that. But it's just, yeah, that somebody. Was that somebody calling you out? It was that, but no. Um, like it's just such a good song because I'm like, wow, like he's really going through it. And you know, for context, for this to happen, for this to be the album after him and his girl breaks up, and she dates like a Super Bowl winning NFL receiver immediately who's, like, now his kid's kind of stepdad, and he has to watch that play out. It's just, like, when, when real life accompanies the music, it's really good. Like, it's why people love Adele. Like, I'm not a big Adele guy, but I recognize the talent. Like, I know the music yeah. is good. But, like, she's talking about, like, what's really going on in her life. And even though, like, you know, rap is embellishing. You know, rap is, like, creating a persona. But with Future, you're like, wow. Like, I feel like you're really going through this stuff. And so, yeah, it's just, it'd be a Sue's one of the best things I've heard. Um, Now, there's something that I should have listened to that you ended up listening to before me and I just got to it. I bet you have no idea what I'm talking about. I can't imagine. Oh, no. Okay. No. Okay. The first half. Oh, the Drake uh, I did listen. I listened to, if you're reading this. It's too late. Um, and I wrote, you know, I wrote on the blog about how it's hard for me to listen to Drake albums because of how much I love So Far Gone and how important So Far Gone was to me being, you know, fresh out of college, going through a breakup, starting a new relationship. Like, it was a big deal to me. Like, that album was heavy. And so, like, it's hard. It's like you have those people who never wanted to see Michael Jackson grow up. You know, like they wanted uh, what off the wall Michael Jackson, and then Thriller Michael Jackson. But when you got past Thriller Michael Jackson, it's like, nah, I don't want anything to do with that. Like that Drake at that moment in time was perfect for me, so it was hard for me to get into the progression. But um, you know, full disclosure, I finally realized that I can operate my Apple Music without Wi-Fi, and so I have access to like every album ever made whenever I want. So I was like, you know what? Let's give this uh let's give this Drake a run. And of course, the very first song <laughs> excuse me. The very first song is a sample of genuine song. I couldn't believe that when I heard it. Like like I really like I like I like samples. Like going back to being a kid, uh you know, eight, nine, ten years old and hearing like rap song Kid and Play was huge with the James Brown samples. Uh, and just asking my mom, like, was this anything? Like, understand? Like, yeah. When you realize, like, like, oh, all this was something before. 
you know, not in a way where you're like, oh, this sucks, but in a way it's like, oh, I can learn more. I can, I can hear it. Like, ever since when I started hearing Puff Records, I was like, you know what? Yep. Because my parents would come in the room, they'd be like, oh, that ain't nothing but, nah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Look, look, so, yeah. I remember when I first heard, like, I like Miami off of Getting Jiggy With It. What's yeah. that? Yeah. Off of Big, Big Willie style? style? Yeah. I there you love go. that song. And it's like, oh, I it's I love the original is what I love because that's nothing mm-hmm. but, I mean, I didn't like, I didn't like the puff and that style of sampling where you just... Mm-hmm. Rip it off and you're literally it. lifting yeah, it yeah. and putting the drum on it. Yeah, gotta make it your own. Yeah, flip it a little. Um, huh. but damn, did I have a point? I don't know. I thought I had. Okay, uh, but I mean, I mean, even with this, it, I think the first song I realized, like realized, was a sample was Men in Black. I was like, that's that forget me not song. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah, but um. But no, yeah, like I'm. It's funny. I was talking to my, I was talking to my boys, and I was like, "Yo, as a, as a person of a certain era, who is basically who identifies himself as a dirty '90 R&B nigga, like that. That this is just me. Like I'm, I'm Jodeci, and I'm Genuine, and I'm Drew Hill. Like I'm all that. Like when your first sample is so anxious, I'm just like, oh, this is gonna be yeah. good. Oh, oh, that I thought was, it was very that was, well done. That's what I was saying. That I couldn't believe I like yeah. samples, and I like samples that are that aren't afraid to sample stuff that's not like thirty years old, not fifty years. Mm-hmm. Old. It hasn't been put through the, the drum machine. Right, like, like oh, you're hip hop guy, you're gonna go, yeah. you know, sample some uh, Bob. Uh, uh, I can't think of his name, Bob. Um, Bob, Bob Dylan. Bob, uh, the smooth, the guy who basically invented uh, smooth jazz. Um, damn it, I have the essential. I can see it in my. He did. He wrote the taxi theme, and uh, watch his name's not Bob. <laughs> he wrote Taxi and Angela, a couple couple popular uh, shows in the seventies. Uh, but he's the most, the most sampled. Uh, so his his estate is set for life. Oh, his grandkids, grandkids, grandkids are going to be eaten off of Comfy and Nautilus. And if you just mm-hmm. anybody that's just Google or YouTube Comfy and Nautilus, you go, oh yeah, <laughs> like oh that's oh yes that is in every hip hop song I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's just and I mean you know concerning the album he's just. Um, like the the raps are good, the uh the harmonizing is good, and like I I thought you know take care was cool, and I thought uh gosh what's the, what's this last one uh, nothing was the same like it was cool but like this is really good um it's just songs and it's funny like you know hanging out in bars and stuff like they'll put on like a random cut that wasn't a single and people just know it word for word it's just it's hypnotizing and Drake is just uh. Like, he, he's on the top of his game, and that was a very good album. I, I'm glad I finally got around to it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, most of this year was really just, it was listening to Future. <laughs> that, was, that was a good part of the year. Um, and I think probably my, like, if I had to pick a song, like, one song of the year, um, it would probably be uh, Diamonds Dancing with him and Drake. I just thought it was so good. Um, 
Yeah, that's probably the one. Um, kind of something I listened to that was a bit off center, and I just like told you about it. Like I listened to a lot of Makoda this year, and just okay. So I played. I, I don't know what I catch. Played, uh, I played um, that one song Saturday night. Uh, uh-huh. I think it's called. The, um, which one? The, like the the main one that I that I that I sent. The one that you screenshotted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, what's it called? Uh, and I was like, yes, yeah. so I let my man Jai listen to it, and was like, yo, they just totally dismissed uh my whole when I was like, this is a second chance. Like it's pop. I was like, say second chance. Yeah. He was like, the moment I played, he like listens to Purity Ray. He likes all that kind of shit. I like. Huh. And he was like, oh yeah, like no doubt about it. This, I th- I, he was like, I think that's what he's going for. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I tell you what album I didn't think was gonna be good, but it's really, really good. Uh, the Fetty Wap album is really good, and that surprised me because it is like if if Future is your main event guy, right? Fetty's like the not, not the curtain jerker guy, but he's like third from top of the card. Because it's very similar. Like, it's, it's that harmonizing. He's not going crazy places with, like, his lyrics. Like, one song kind of runs into the next, runs into the next. But it's just, it's very good. Like, again, was I thought I thought was a great song. Like, My Way is a great song. Of course, Drag Queen is a really good song. Um, it's the one that... And it's cool. I, 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 it's probably really creepy for you to hear. But I played it over and over again. Was that Snapchat of... Or whatever I saw it on Instagram, I guess of you and Bishop. And I got this soda. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's just uh, the best thing. It's called yeah, six seven nine is what it's called. But that's really good. Yeah, he um, like, yeah, it's just it's weird to have a rookie album that doesn't really have producers you recognize and doesn't have features you recognize. But it turned out well. Like the most commonly featured guy on there is a guy named Monty, who's his boy, who's never been on anybody else's record. And it just it just came together so smooth. Like that's getting like a lot of it gets a lot of run. Like when I'm at the gym, it gets a lot of play. So yeah. Um I didn't really listen to too much outside of my wheelhouse this year. That's about where it went. Um, um so here's another the thing. Guy, oh, his name Bob James. And okay. I didn't play it's 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 Bob James and not in the song Comfy and Nautilus. Nautica is by Panda Bear, something different. His his song is Nautilus by Bob James, and if you play that, you'll hear like Daytona 500, Ghostface. Again, like every rap song you've ever heard has taken a sample from that song, and so many of others of others of his. Oh, and let me not. I'm glad you brought up Ghostface. Let me not leave this out. Uh, Action Bronson's album was really good. Um, Mr. Wonderful. Still haven't gotten to it. it. Really good. As soon as the album came out, all the shit with Ghostface happened, and I was just turned off. Like, and my, yeah. uh, Carl, my and roommate, my, my old roommate, he used to play being. He played the, like the two singles the most, but he he listened to it. He said it was a good album, but I was just. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I still follow him on the gram. I ain't like, I ain't like yeah. the pick of his in six months. Yeah, you gotta choose sides, man. Yeah, I thought his live show was incredible, especially for a guy that size. Like, 
balling. And you're, you're the one two years ago or whatever that put me on. And if so inadvertently, you're on Facebook or something and you said something, something that's like Action Bronson. And I was like, his, I was like, somebody's name is Action Bronson. Ha ha, ridicule, ridicule. And yeah. I just uh, went, because somebody said he sounded like Ghostface. So I went, uh, went and listened to some stuff on YouTube. And yeah, immediately was like, oh no, this this is my guy now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's really good. Um, How about this? And here's a good one, because um, it kind of ties into what we do. Outside of, of wrestling. Which is our big thing. Um, what are the shows you listen to as far as far as podcasts this year? Um, I listen to anything new this year. The podcast uh, new podcasts I listen to. I've probably been listening to consistently consistently for the last two or three years. The main, the main, well, the tor- besides PW Torch Audio. I mean, that's like a given, like Daily Keller Hotlines and Mitchell Audio. Um, but stri- like not non-wrestling uh, podcasts, uh, the most prominent one is Scathing Atheist, which is exactly what it is. And I <laughs> so pretty self-explanatory, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's an atheist show. And I personally am not an atheist, but I definitely find myself nodding along. Oh, yep. And it's just so scathing and again some pull no punches just just how I like it kind of uh, uh, show humanist kind of secular atheist show um, scathing atheist they also those guys do a, a show called the skeptocrat um, which is more news and politics but uh, Joe Joe Rogan when, I, when he has science people on particular, particularly, uh, or, or, or people that come on and talk about psychedelics like Graham Hancock or, or Amber Lyon or something. And, oh, oh, Dan Carlin, Common Sense. It's a monthly podcast that, that touches on major global political stuff. And that's, uh... Oh, and I'm I'm black. He's Mexican. Um, of course, just of course. A, a pop culture uh, podcast. And when Twelve Monkeys come back, the Twelve Monkeys Uncaged Uncaged podcast. Uh, and the Sliders rewatch. I haven't listened to it in a while, mm-hmm. but they watch Sliders, old episodes of Sliders from the '90s, and um, they do all kinds of. They have a rewatch, Star Trek rewatch, this rewatch, rewatch. We need a space above and beyond rewatch. God, I love this show. Um, it lasted like two seasons on Fox, but it was really good. So, yeah, um, so, those so for me, uh, my big one was probably, and I think this came out before 2015, but I found uh, Fat Man on Batman. And that is uh, Kevin Smith, of course, you know, Clerks and Dogma and uh, all that good stuff, um, who actually, you know, wrote for Daredevil for a while. Um, him and this guy, Mark Bernardin who wrote for Entertainment Weekly and is now like the head uh, online writer for the Playboy website. But, you know, they do real entertainment now, not just, you know, Playboy stuff. Um, So they sit down typically every week or every other week and talk about um, Batman primarily um, as far as comics and entertainment go. But then they touch on everything, like all the comics and all the nerd movies and all the shows. 
the only thing about that, I um timer. Um yeah. The only thing about that, I um they they found Flash. Like they kinda touched on it for a while, but then they found it and all watched it and they realized how good it is. And so I have to skip like a good twenty minutes of their show now. Because I don't want to sound like them when they talk about oh, it, you know? Oh, yeah. I um, definitely so that's, that's, I hate when that happens. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's funny because that happens with, that happens with you guys. And when I say you guys, like, if I listen to, like, Bruce, because Bruce is my guy. If I listen to Bruce Mitchell's show, like, I have to skip, like, three or four more shows because I don't want to hear that same stuff. So I'm like, yeah, like, I have his feed specifically as far as, like, Torch goes. But, um, you know, it was that one, um, the Rap Radar podcast, which is Elliot Wilson, who was the uh, editor-in-chief of Double XL uh, in the 90s and the 2000s. Um, him and this guy, Brian Miller, they, you know, sit down with artists every week. And it's different than, like, like, I like The Breakfast Club, but that's more entertainment and what's going on in this guy's life and stuff like that. But this is like, oh, can you break down, you know, what, like they had Beanie Siegel on like a week or two ago. And they were like, can you break down, you know, this song that you did with Jay-Z and Bleak and what was the tension like with this and, you know, how were you able to, uh, you know, stay out the streets long enough to do this? Like, it's it's a very informative show. You typically go about an hour, hour and a half with artists. Um, that's a big one for me. Um, other than that, you know, how did this get made is still my big one where they talk about how bad movies got off the ground and in the production. Um, but, yeah, it's probably Fat Man on Batman and uh, Rap Radar Podcast are my big ones for 2015. Um, I guess the last thing I kind of want to touch on as far as what went on in the year, I know you've been on to a few things now, but what's the big thing you've read this year? Man in High Castle, um, mm-hmm. after watching the series on Amazon, I immediately, uh, went and got the audio book and I went, I almost went in Barnes and Noble, but I said, you know what? I'm going to go into a local bookstore in my neighborhood and get a nice probably used but a, a, but a, I want a physical copy of that book um, I'm mm. really getting into uh, getting into fiction that was something that I really and it's really the audio aspect of it because I can hear somebody actually yeah, yeah because I it was it's hard for me to sit down and read like attention span just all that kind of stuff literally reading like ah, I'm reading the same damn line again and again like fuck come on um, so I, I, my thing was look if I'm putting the energy and the effort to read it's going to be something technical or history or something I can get something learn something from that's why when I look at my bookshelf now it's all you know forbidden history you know religion thing archaeology stuff African influence in Asia, you know, ancient alien nonsense, social injustice stuff. Yeah, nothing happy or fantastic or a mystery. Nothing, nothing. Yeah. no fiction at all. But three years ago, uh, Friday, uh, Olga she put me onto uh, his Dark Materials, which is the Golden Compass, the Subtle Knife, and. Uh, the Amber Spyglass, written by um, Philip Pullman, and I just got totally enthralled. Every year, I, I read those that series again. I just finished it a few months ago, and 
But she suggested watching A Man in a High Castle because she's or her husband's read all a bunch of Philip K. Dick. Also, oh, that, so that's kind of the genesis yep. of it, huh? Okay. She said, "Oh, you'll like uh Because I was like, "Oh, I'm watching Jessica Jones, and it's awesome." And she's like, "Oh, yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet." Blah blah blah. Um, she'll check out Man in the High Castle. You'd like that. And once I've read the uh, the, the concept and the alternative history, and that was the what if, I, I was I was hooked. Um, but and now I'm currently so I read Man in the High Castle. That was my jam. Currently reading Childhood's End, which I've watched, which was the sci-fi miniseries, and a buddy of mine on Facebook was watching, like watching Childhood's End, and his sub, his his caption or his comment was, "Please don't ruin the book. Please don't ruin the book. Please don't ruin the book." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, the book must have been great." Watched the, the series, fan fucking fantastic, Cam. Again, it was like written specifically for me. I said. I have to read this book. So I'm reading the book. I'm three chapters in, and there are a few things. This book was written in 1987, I think. And it's like, come on, C.S. Lewis. Like like the line, I don't know if you saw it in the, in the group me chat, Shahid, the guy goes, uh, you know, uh, 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 something about South Africa, racial strife wouldn't, you know. The, the, I did see it. Yeah. strife would still, would still flare up. And there was all these problems. So, so Corellin and the overlords decided, well, we're going to just block out the sun. They just set a date. They said, oh, blah, 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 whatever, October 12th. They didn't say what the hell they meant. So October 12th, the entire city of Cape Town did, for a half hour, got zero energy from the sun. Not, not the town next to it. Or this country next yeah, to it, just, everybody, in, but everybody in Cape Town or South Africa. It was Mr. Burns with the big sunblock. Yeah, but very specific. And uh, they got the message, and it was like the next day, local governments uh, gave, or yeah, local governments gave uh, full civil, the full white, civil yeah, rights. The white minority. The white minority. I'm like, come on. <laughs> What? This is right in the dead heat of apartheid in the in the eighties when this you know or it collapsed you know before when things you know things before it collapsed it's like they're digging in their heels like you know that horse about to collapse when you whip them even harder to get those last few feet out of them you know <laughs> it was like come on and see that little that stuff so it was a few moments in there where I'm like this seems very like Eurocentric, yeah, you know, almost almost propaganda like. But I'm 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 going I'm gonna I'm gonna push through. Um, and I got a bunch of Philip K. Dick books that I just that I downloaded. The Minority Report. Um, do do Android? Look, <laughs> the, the book's called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. So when they were adapting that to a movie, they were like, nobody's going to come see that movie. We're calling it Blade Runner. So that's what Blade Runner is, is based off of. Total Recall is his, but I don't particularly care to read Total Recall. Uh, but there are a few. Um, uh, the Vallis series, it's like philosophy and religion-based stuff. So he's uh, he got me with Man in a High Castle. I really like his concepts. And just, he had a prolific 30, 35 year writing career from you know late fifties to to eighty two when he died. Um, 
died at like 53. It was like, man, this guy had 15, 20 more years of, of fantastic yeah. stuff left in him. Uh, but I'm making up for, you know, for lost time. So, yeah, so so Man in a High Castle. Philip K. Dick, as a whole, as, just as, a, as an author, discovering him. In particular, has been uh, has been really really fun. Yeah. Um. So for me, it was it was a bit different in that like I got stuff to read here at the end of the year. Um, I started reading Iceberg Slim's Pimp uh, earlier in the year, and I've been off and on on that because it's like it's a good read, but you know the language is a bit dated. Um. But the visual that it sets up is very interesting. Like watching a kid, and it's so it's so self aware in that you know this is the lifestyle I chose. These are the things that happened to me as a child. So hopefully you have some insight as to why I went this way. Um, and really, like even after reading, like I think I'm like nine, ten chapters in, but he still isn't iceberg slim, iceberg slim. Like he's not the man yet. He still has. One and a half horse. <laughs> you know, so it's uh but it's a good read. It's just uh it's finding time to read it is what's tough. Um I got uh, you know, our, our buddy Shahid, who loves to throw his money around, is is always trying to buy something. And I told him I wanted this book. Um it's uh Between the World and Me from Coates. I don't know how familiar you are with him, but basically he's, you know, He's a big brain that writes for the Atlantic. Um, and he's a big brain. Like, he's a genius-level guy. And, um, you know, this is one of his few books um, that, you know, is really concerning, you know, race in the world in America. And, you know, I've been hearing about it. You know, my, my guy, Bamani Jones, raves about him. And so I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta read this guy. So I have that book sitting there on the table. I have it sitting next to uh, the first uh, Marvel Max graphic novel of Alias. You know, because of how good Jessica Jones was, um, you know, I want to go back and read, like, that whole run. Because that, that character is just so fascinating to me. Um, so you have that first graphic novel of, of Alias. Um, and really, as far as reading, that's a few things, like, that I've done. Um, like, I need more. Okay, so here's what I'm actually going to do over the next year, though. In 2016, I am going to reread The Dark Tower, which is just my favorite book series of all time. Um, how familiar you are with that Stephen King's Dark Tower? Not at all. Okay, so that's actually going to be, I think, a movie and a show here in the next couple of years. And this is from, um, I started reading it in 92, because 92 is when we moved to Wyoming. So I started reading it in 92, 93. Six? But this is from, like, yeah. I was I was a kid who read, like, reading the Dark Tower? And drama, yeah. I read Andromeda Strain in elementary school. Like, I'm that kid, <laughs> you know? So, because um, the other kids in my group, we used to we used to read Stephen King and Michael Crichton books and then eat brick ramen noodles. I don't know why those two things run together, but for some reason they did. But no, my, um, again, the whole reason we have this podcast and this talk about stuff is my stepfather. Like, but he had, like, a big collection of Stephen King books. And so the Dark Tower um, is a series about this guy, uh, Roland the Gunslinger, who's basically chasing, you know, a chasing the devil. I put devil quote unquote because it's not necessarily who the character is, but he's chasing him across a parallel dimension's wasteland. And like that's the premise of it. You have 
your bad guy, you have your gunslinger, bounty hunter character who's chasing him. And it's a world, like, full of, like, fantasy elements and science fiction, and it's just, it's a really good read. Um, I, the first three novels I've read, but I think it expanded to six or seven, which everybody tells me it dies a bit at that point, but I want to go back, start from the beginning, just read that all the way through, because I think it's just the coolest thing. Like, I love that, like, I'm a western guy. Like, so I love, like, the, the Western combined with fantasy elements. Anime does it so good. But, yeah, Western combined with fantasy. Um, Did you like Alien, Cowboy, or whatever guy. that one was? Uh, what, Cowboy Bebop? No, 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 it was a movie with, uh, oh. with 007. Oh, Cowboys and Aliens. Oh, it's not, yeah, Cowboys and Aliens. Or Cowboys vs. Aliens, I, I want to say. It's not a very good movie, but there are fun aspects of it. Yeah, not a, not a very good movie, but there are fun aspects of it, so... Yeah, I want to go back and read that. Um, and I got the Coates novel. I got Pimp to work through. Um, I probably want to sit down and read Black Panther Speak again. Uh, because that's just it's been my favorite thing forever. And I always go back and touch on that a little bit. But yeah, um, it seems like for me, as far as books go, a lot of new stuff is coming um, here in this next year. Um, of course, you know, read some comic stuff. Um, the new 52 Batman run, like, uh, Zero Year. I read through that, and that's pretty good. There's some pretty interesting changes to Batman. Um, and then Dark Knight 3 just came out. I mean, just, uh, I, Travis, I paid, t- what, twelve ninety nine for a comic book. I paid twelve uh, 13 bucks for the People Magazine's 50th, 50th year anniversary uh, Days of Our Lives uh, magazine last night. Two nights ago. So, so they, they're talking us into it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, have you decided where you're going to... Because I know... <clears throat> excuse me. I know you said you um you kind of went to a comic book. Yeah, show I'm, I'm glad you brought that. I was going to try to jump back in before we got off the reading kind of topic. But I, I'm regretting not getting... I, I thought about getting Superman and American Alien, right? Because mm-hmm. there were only number one, there were only two issues out. That mm-hmm. is very appealing because I don't know. My whole thing is I'm standing in the middle of this comic book shop, surrounded by literally tens of thousands of comic books, and I have mm-hmm. no idea where to start. Like silly looking dumbass comic books are like right next to like some serious, not Lobo, but like what like that type of. Like, menacing gun guy with the big muscles. Like, that doesn't look like it should be next to, like, this bubblegum, uh, uh, but you don't know these days that bubblegum pink brightling could be full of mayhem and intrigue and stuff, and, you know, I just literally have nowhere to start, or don't know where to start, but I saw Superman American Alien, and there was him on the cover as a teenager with blood on his mugshot, uh, blood on his face, I'm like, it's knuckles but i'm like he got somebody else's blood how could it be his blood uh and then there was another episode another edition i was like hmm. so then i i sent your guy bruce mitchell a text of that picture like here i am in the middle of this comic book shop and he's like did you get anything and i was like oh i was going to get superman american alien but i didn't he's like oh i heard that was a good one and that's all i needed to know here to be pissed that i didn't get him like Bruce Mitchell, comic book, uh, you know, big time comic yeah. guy. Trust his opinion, like as much as anybody's. I don't know any better. Um, 
was like, damn, I, I should have got it. And I don't know when I'm ever going to be in a comic book store anytime soon. And what I always tell people, like, it's the hard thing about jumping into a fresh issue is money. Because it, it just costs well, money like, to follow it. It takes time. Yeah, but when it's three bucks a pop every other week, you know, yeah. it, it adds up because I've been there. Like, I've had, like, there's a comic book shop where I still keep, well, at least until they switch locations, where I kept the folder. And I'm sure that thing was busting at the scenes because I just wasn't going and buying stuff. I always say, man, like, take, just get a graphic novel. Just get one. Like, it's drop down that 15 or $19. It's a one-off read. If it's not a number on the side of it, just go with that. Like I think, I think you'd find Lucifer fascinating. I think that one's but, so good. But the whole um, thing is, I, I like the. I've never experienced I, all the comic books I, I have, and I'm sure they're like at my mm-hmm. parents' house somewhere. They were. I had a few, the thing and Spider Man, but mine were like kid play comic books, married with children, mm-hmm. ch- child's play, the off non-comic comic ones but i did have some comic Thor. i had silver surfer um again all marvel stuff so the superman thing would have been a change for so many reasons but i like to get i'd like to experience that weekly or bi-weekly oh the new one is out i want to get it again and then if hey if i'm two three issues in i'm like this sucks i don't care what number four is to say yeah fine but if i did like it i'd like, oh, wait, you can't wait till next week. Because I'm looking at it, these things are so thin, it takes 10 minutes to read, and then you're like, oh, I can't wait till next week. Mm-hmm. So I can get my next, next 10 minutes. I can actually read it four and five and six times. I, I know that. No, so I'm certainly handing you, like, three books when you walk through my door okay. in a couple of weeks. And you're just going to take them and, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, man, Um. so, yeah, that's... Entertainment-wise, that's pretty much my 2015. Um, sounds like we're about where we are with yours. Uh, so yeah, we got um, we got a few weeks between now and the time Flash comes back. So, again, concerted effort. We got to do Jessica Jones. We got to do Man in the High Castle. Um, I would love to do Fargo. Um, that's that's one of those things that's a bit harder to find. Um, but still, I, I want to say it only ran 10 episodes. So it's you know it's. It's doable if the time allows. And the but second season I, isn't doesn't hinge on having saw the first. Exactly, so exactly. There are things that tie to it, but you'll still be able to enjoy it. Exactly. Um, and what we may actually have to do, um, because probably one of those nights will be at my place, and I do have a microphone we can put in the middle of a table. We may have to. We may have to do a movie. We may have to what? Like, because we kind of like did Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know if you remember, but we kind of talked our way through the whole movie and what was going on. So we may have to do a commentary track for a movie sitting in the living room. I've been thinking about that. Because, um, I mean, we could do Ant-Man because we've seen right. that, so we don't necessarily need to watch it to do it. Um, yeah, so there are some things I've, I've been thinking about that. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We're going we're gonna to put this out for the world. Um, this is our gift to you guys, our Christmas gift and our New Year's gift to you all, because you missed us mm-hmm. so much, and we know that to be true. Um, so yeah, this is oh, the whoa, whoa, South Congress. Oh, 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 wash, Oh no, I almost did it. Wash, I almost did it. <laughs> I almost did it. I almost messed up our money, man. <laughs> we gotta get this money. <laughs> Travis Bryant, we. Have spent the last uh, hour, hour and a half talking mostly about fantasy and science fiction, 
and worlds that maybe are parallel to ours that aren't quite real. But we do find enjoyment in them for the elements they bring. So there's a show that I watch. You watched that I've watched since the jump that the the lady of my life watches, and she is like from the jump. Um, that a lot of our friends watch. A lot of our friends who are coupled especially watch. Travis, you've watched I want to say two episodes. Three episodes. Of v- three episodes. Of VH1's Love and Hip Hop. <laughs> I'm going to step back for a second. What, tell us what you think. Okay, now, a month ago, two months ago, you would say, what do you think of Love and Hip Hop? Oh, that garbage? That's that show that Cam misses an hour of wrestling for to, to, to watch. You know, I would have probably teased you, called you some kind of jigaboo, uh, <laughs> and, and moved on with my day. Uh, then go back six, eight weeks, Cam goes, hey, you know your girl Cardi B is going to be on this season's episode, uh, season's Love and Hip Hop New York. And my immediate response without hesitation was, I guess I watch Love and Hip Hop now. And if you don't know who Cardi B is, just look her up on Instagram and thank me later. She is a star in the making. Not in the traditional sense, because she doesn't really have any talent. And, and well, technically, in this day and age, that is kind of the traditional sense. What she does is <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's a stripper, uh, party girl kind of, you know, insta-famous chick that's very hood-rich, ghetto-licious. Uh, um, and and I follow her on Instagram. And, uh, oh, this for the past six, eight months, and um, when I found out she was going to be on the season Love and Hip Hop, I had to watch, and I was not disappointed, I not at all, especially last night, or Monday night's episode, yeah, last night's, which was absurd, which was, I was like, yeah, she went into that entire situation like, oh, I'm going to punch a bitch in the face before the night's over. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't care what happens. I'm going to punch a bitch in the face before my night is over. <laughs> and to kind of to kind of set it up for everybody, kind of the premise of love and hip hop, um, they take women who are in some way associated with the music industry, um, whether they be artists, managers, or the significant others of artists or managers. You um, and it's it's a reality show in that. They put people in a room together, provide them with some alcohol before they turn the cameras on, and kind of let the scene play out. And, you know, it, it works to varying degrees. Like, Love and Hip Hop New York is kind of the genesis of everything. Love and Hip Hop Atlanta is the fun one, quote-unquote, because that's they gave us Stevie J and Jocelyn. And, uh, what's her name? Uh, K. Michelle. Like, they, they have the most interesting characters. Love and Hip Hop Hollywood exists because Ray J exists. Ray J exists because Ray J is kind of a scumbag. Um, so, you know, you have that premise. Um, and now we're back to back to New York where you have I mean, kind of the focal point for the past few seasons anyway has been this guy, Rich Dollars, who doesn't really manage anybody you've ever heard of. You know, like he's 
a a artist manager they say and they always show him like on the scene but you can't think of anybody he's been in charge of or any music he's ever put out which is fine now yandy is kind of the the big one in that like she really is partly responsible for jim jones getting hot and jim jones was hot when he was hot you know um she probably has like the highest estimated net worth which you take for what you want um and but the, the cast typically you know changes over time like joe budden was on the last couple of seasons and you know joe budden being joe budden you can't just have him on there all the time because he'll look crazy and have women on there looking crazy so yeah now we have excuse me you cardi b who is like you said a star in her own right and she's fascinating to watch but you know if i'm if i'm leaving anything out guys who haven't seen the show a lot of it is about lying and cheating on your significant other and <laughs> the places that take and you. being as fine as possible yeah and being and being very attractive there, there's also that ain't nobody and this season especially yeah. oh yeah i'm unlimited three episodes yeah this is this has been yeah i mean hollywood the women are very attractive too. i mean remy um, mile is like probably the most basic joan on there as far as looks wise and she's still tough right cute in her body. I mean, yes. I mean, she got them jailhouse carbs still in her, but... Yeah, she's certainly been eating good yeah. food. Um, but, yeah. But it's um, like, it's an interesting watch, because, again, we watch, we watch wrestling, which is, in its own right, reality TV fights that, you know, we gotta, gotta get sucked into the world to believe and enjoy. And granted, like, a wrestling match, when done well, is way more enjoyable than Cardi B throwing a bottle at a bitch's head. But, you know, you still do get enjoyment out of it. Like, how weird would it be if we talked about Flash every week and then two days later we came back talking about love and hip-hop? That'd be so strange. Um, But, and again, like, the most fascinating thing about it, like, I brought you into the third season of the Peter Guns, Tara, and uh amina amina triangle like you walked in on the third season of this how weird is it looking at that relationship very i mean i, I mean just like what woman would put her right i mean when the meanest twin sister showed up and was like wait tara's living in the building why oh you, you thought that was a good idea you, are you are you an idiot are you a moron? Uh, you move. I mean, when you're when you're concerned that your your man is messing with, you know, uh, uh, one woman, so you move her into the building under the guise or the auspices of so he can be closer to his kids, or you know, with her. I mean, why don't they just? They really just need to be very modern and just be like, look. This is a three-person relationship. It's how it's always going to be. And all three yeah. of us need to accept that. And if yeah. Peter Guns, like I said, wasn't a 17-year-old boy still, he would have... Because that's what he has! It's just about... It's just yeah. about... It's just about having them accept it. It's about not getting... It's about not getting a phone thrown it's at you. It's not about getting sort of slapped? I'm not even really sure. Yeah. And it's just like watching that evolve from Tara and I are together and Amina is the artist that I found, but secretly I've been seeing her 
and me and Tara have two kids together and been cohabitating, but I've never even considered proposing to her, but I've secretly married Amina. Like, <laughs> oh, and let's not talk about the four or five other kids I have in Arizona. Um, <laughs> and, and then, like, the thing is, Tara comes off as so intelligent and well-spoken when she's on her scenes and when other people are talking to her. But concerning him, she's just an idiot. She just justifies it every time. And you can accept Amina is, like, naive. Like, of course, to a fault. But the thing with Tara is just, like, she genuinely, like, what you've seen from her, she doesn't give a fuck. Like, she doesn't care. But it wasn't always like that. That wasn't always, like, the, the person that she showed off. So, yeah, it's it's a fun watch. And I'm glad you're a part of that now. Yeah, and it's, and, and every time I, I get one of these memes or lines, or, you know, that I normally just would have looked at and kept moving, like, no, nah, I don't get that. It's like, oh, God damn it, I get that. And I kind of secretly mm-hmm. hate myself. But just <laughs> but not enough to, like, not watch her. Yeah, yeah. Not that much hate going on. Of course not. Well, yeah, man. Um, I think I think with that, that's our 2015. Our 2015 started with um, I don't even know what you say was at the beginning. I'll say the Royal Rumble because that's what we always say. And uh, <laughs> ended with Love and Hip Hop New York. Um, so yeah, again, we have long form shows to cover before our show, uh, CW's The Flash, comes back. This has been the uh, South Congress Podcast Fan by Fan Show. I am Cameron. I was here with Travis, and we're out. Yep. Black Bob. Yep. Yep. On the backs of a million They died for all lives before we were children Some of us, we trying to make us a billion On real estate, fancy cars and them